Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com and YouTube where you'll hear the audio version. I'm here with Derek Bros of The Conscious Resistance. Derek, thank you for coming on and taking the time to speak to me. Today we're going to be speaking about an incredibly important um, movement, if you could call it that. It's the Exposed Bill Gates and it's day two. Um, day one was, I believe, about three or four weeks ago now. Um, we all know he's like a supervillain who's, who's, who's pretty rubbish and a pretty crap at it but how important is it right now for people to understand how much of a pull this man has and um and to really really understand that he's not really the top of the tier but if he's anywhere near even the middle you've got some worry into going on so what i really want to get into is what the, the impact he's having why you're doing this and also the people behind him that's funding him to give people an understanding of how this actual system works because as you say bill gates they're not the top top level guys but they're surely being able to run roughshod over governments is incredible the technocracy and the technocrats right now are running world governments um derek thank you for your time what made you come up with the idea of doing this and what really piqued your interest in bill gates in the first place yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. Um, so, like you said, we did this back in it was at June 13th was the first time. And as far as what got my interest in Bill Gates, if you're involved in the you know conspiracy research movement, truther movements, over the years you've come across Bill Gates's name. People, you know, we've heard that we've seen the videos of him talking about population control and things of that sort. So I had a somewhat vague understanding of that. You know, Bill Gates is of the same class, what I call the predator class. Um, you know, of people who wield influence and, and try to manipulate world events. But it wasn't really until COVID-19 started happening that I really keyed in on him. And as anybody, you know, living on this planet now has seen, they're parading Bill Gates around all the media, the BBC, the American media, um, elsewhere as this expert, uh, despite not being, you know, a medical doctor or having a medical degree or anything of that sort. From the very beginning of this panic, they basically had him out in front of the cameras, asking his advice, asking for his opinions on when the lockdown should begin or when they should end and how many vaccines and just all kinds of things. As you said, this is just a perfect example of the technocrats who are unelected power wielding massive influence and power. And so once that started to happen, and I also started to see how many people are falling for it and how many people, you know, you criticize Bill Gates in some mainstream circles and people say, what do you mean? He saved so many lives. He's Give, he's giving away all of his money. How you know this guy is just a good guy. He cares about us, and um, and I I even talked to some friends who were who maybe are more on the left side of the political spectrum, who've said that they've seen some of their friends who maybe a year ago would be critical of Bill Gates and the billionaires and just the class that he represents, but now since COVID started, they're like the opposite. They trust Bill Gates. They think he's a great guy. That you know, so I just started to see how much influence this is having on our world and. Uh, you know, figured, okay, I'm going to do a deep dive into this. And uh, back in May, uh, James Corbett also released, released his awesome four-part documentary on Bill Gates. So he was working on that, and I decided to do a, um, a written investigation. I released a three-part article that was released through the Last American Vagabond website. And it does cover some of what James talked about in his documentary, but also goes into some other areas, and it's in the written form. And I found, you know, not only is Bill Gates is on the philanthropy, even if you get outside of the, the conspiracy, right, the world, just looking at his actual philanthropy, he's following the playbook that the Rockefellers and others have followed for over 100 years. I mean, it's, it's really nothing new. He's just kind of recreating his image in the public using his philanthropy. Um, so that's just the kind of real surface level. It's like this guy is, he's, he's double dipping, right? He's giving, he's giving away his money. And through his foundation, they give it away to companies that he also owns stock in. So, you know, and, and he also owns stock in the media and he can go out there and promote those solutions. So while he's giving away his money, he's making more money. And so, you know, you have that level. Then you have when it comes to COVID-19, 
he's connected, his foundation is connected to every single person that's involved in this recovery effort, and not just in the U.S., but many people around the world, um, as far as India and Australia, you know, have people that are connected through the Bill and Melinda Gates orbit. Uh, and then the third part of my investigation went into some of the deeper issues, talking about Event 201 and the simulation that, you know, seemed to predict the coronavirus pandemic, as well as the Rockefeller's lockstep document, and then into some of the deeper levels showing that it's not that it's not only that Bill Gates is following the Rockefeller model as far as using their philanthropy and using their their kind of tactics on that level, but he's actually related to Nelson Rockefeller via sixth or seventh cousin, and Nelson Rockefeller was formerly a vice president of the United States, um, and so they have that in common as well. But they also, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation had Event 201, the Rockefellers had lockstep, and they both seem to be simulating what a coronavirus pandemic would look like and how the people of the world should respond. And then, of course, the crux of it, I think the real meat of the issue when people are ready to go there, is that they both are supporters of eugenics and of that philosophy. And that's kind of, I think, is what at the core of what they're actually pushing. But yeah, so I, I started to just see that he's he's everywhere. He's all over the place right now, right? And I felt like that's a really important time. You know, as you mentioned as well, he's not the top of the pyramid. He's just the current spokesman, I guess we could say. But he is the current spokesman that is being paraded around in front of the people, that the people are lapping it up and thinking that he's just this great person. And to me, that presents a really important opportunity to poke holes in that theory and to help people see this is not the guy we should be trusting about anything, you know, about really anything, but definitely not about global health policy and definitely not about vaccines or any of these other issues. And so it felt like, you know, James has got this awesome documentary out. I'm putting out my articles. I've seen other people um, doing some good work, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and some other channels, of course, David Icke. And, you know, it just felt like maybe so many people see this now that if we put our, all our energy towards exposing Bill Gates and really the technocratic agenda that him and his wife represent and that the predator class represent, that it could spark something, you know, bigger and spark some conversations at the very least. And I would say that from the results of day one, we did have great success, and I'm hopeful for even better success this coming weekend. Yeah, I mean, I w was um, in the gym a few few months back when this all first started, and one of the young guys come in and he said, and I heard him saying um, off in the distance that, oh, they're talking about this all being a Bill Gates thing and laughing it off. I've seen him again since, and he's not laughing it off so much. Um, he wasn't even talking to me at the time and obviously knowing what I know there's other roots to this as well that a lot of people don't talk about um, one of the other roots is the, what Jim Miles calls the Fourth Reich there is definitely a Nazi element to what they're doing there is an absolute no doubt about it um, for guys that don't know there's a very, a very clear connection between IBM and Microsoft now IBM funded a lot of the tech that was used in the Nazi war camps it was Mike IBM that initially funded Microsoft into existence for a favor for Bill Gates' mum. Everybody knows Bill Gates' dad. It was um, head of Planned Parenthood, but also his mum was very well connected as well. There is a Nazi eugenics element to this. And, and Mike, I'd like to get your take on this because I don't hear many people talk about this. To me, what Jim Mars called in his book, The Fourth Reich, is what we're seeing here. Completely coming out of the shadows, but without the guts really to stand out and do what they did back then the horrific stuff that they did but you saw them now they're doing it in a way that's so snidey and sneaky they're doing it undercover but they're actually you look at the state of what's happening in victoria and australia this is third reich fourth reich nazi warfare isn't it what, do, what is your take on on the connections there and as you say the rockefeller connections and then there's the eugenics connections which is it's so blatant to me that we're looking at a uh, and and a fourth Reich here. Yeah, that's a really good point, you know. And I, you know, for of course, first off, uh, you know, rest in peace to Jim Mars, who was an amazing researcher. And actually, it's, I'm glad you mentioned. I, I was just I've been rereading the rise of the fourth Reich the last couple of weeks just to kind of brush up because the very first book that I ever read in my sort of awakening journey 10 years ago actually was Jim Mars's Rule by Secrecy, and that just you know blew my mind. And I had the the honor of getting to interview him several times over the years before he passed and getting to kind of probe his mind on these issues. And so absolutely, his research is still instrumental. And specifically, his book, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, I think is, is as you said, is this is what we're witnessing play out right now. Um, you know, whether you want to call them Nazis or not, whatever the word you want to use is, the point is that same ideology.
with the fact that this ideology, it simply went underground, it rebranded, it renamed these kinds of things. But I do think, as you said, it's kind of a subtle, more sly, slick way of doing it now. They, I think they did truly recognize that maybe the methods that the, you know, the bankers who funded Hitler realized that they were a little too aggressive. They were too out front with things. And, you know, we needed to rebrand eugenics as population control and population growth and these sort of things. And I also believe that that they understand these the predator class because they study human psychology and they've been planning these things for generations, that they understood that a health pandemic, a health crisis is probably one of the most difficult things for people to uh, fight and to uh, collaborate you know on because the thing is as people as people recognize how important their health is, it's it's hard to go against the the credentials of the doctors, right? Like, because me and you, somebody here is just like, oh, these guys aren't doctors, so I'm going to listen to the talking heads, the Fauci's and the, you know, the, whoever the officials are in all the different countries who are telling me this is the worst thing ever, and this is, you know, I'm going to die, you know, just all that messaging that goes along. So I do believe, and actually, a buddy of mine recently sent me some studies that they came out in 2012, 2013, showing specifically that a pathogen, if there's a pathogen or even the appearance of a pathogen of some of a disease spreading, that for one, people become more obedient as governments become more authoritarian and people have a desire to conform. And specifically, they want other people to conform. They want the, the shaming. And obviously, you know very well, we've seen this, whether it's the mask wearing or it's just stay home, it's this and that. So I do believe that there was planning, that they understood that using a pandemic using uh, a virus and whether imagined or real, whatever people's thoughts on that, I don't think it matters in the end. The point is that they can bring out the white lab coats and say, hey, this is what's going on. Only listen to us. Don't listen to the other counter opinions. It's all conspiracy theory and that sort of thing. And so they use that as a way to get into people's heads. And now under the cover of helping us start rolling out vaccines that are not being tested in the typical fashion, even if you think the typical fashion is is legitimate or not. You know, they're not, they're just being rushed and rolled out. There's this thought that we're going to have to get multiple doses of vaccines, that this is going to be a constant wave. You know, now they're saying we might be living with coronavirus forever. We might be dealing with this for the rest of our lives. So I do believe that they specifically understood that using a health crisis was a, a very good way to get into people's heads and maybe to move back towards some of the experimentation we saw in the Nazi area, era, you know, with uh, using medic, medical uh, martial law as a way to empower, to take control, basically. I think you point out some, uh, so much to unpack there as well. I'm reading back to the Nazis. One of the things that I came across was the Enabling Act. If you look at the Enabling Act, I think it was 1933, could be wrong on the year, and you put that side and side and what we have in the UK, the Coronavirus Act, they're very, very similar to what they were. They're called Medical Passes, ID 2020. If you look at those two acts together, these are the same group of people, as you say, call them what you like. Um, they're not as blatant anymore. They're not out there. One thing you just said then, um, really pick, picked up and was said, they won't listen to someone like me and you because we're not a doctor. But people are willing to listen to Bill Gates, who is not a doctor. He has no medical training. So why would they be more willing to listen to someone who fi who who's a computer technician at the very best? And he's, he's pretty poor at that. But not listen to someone like me and you have done the research for, for I've probably been done 15 years. They'll, but they're willing to look at him. That's, I find that cognitive jump amazing. That, well, he, just because he's got a load of money. But clearly he doesn't know what he's talking about. And that comes down to the fact that they're allowing this guy who has Nazi connections to inject a vaccine into your children and yourself and willingly go along with it. I can't understand that leap. What has happened there in the human psyche that's allowed that to come in and allow that abuse of your own personal sovereignty? Well, I think it really comes back to, you know, for me, a lot of the issues that we're dealing with in the world, um, they come back and they're sort of underpinned by the belief in authority. Like, I really think that we can bring most of the problems back to that, this sort of unquestioning false belief in authority. And, you know, another term for it is like credentialism, you know, some, like I mentioned, somebody's got a, a lab coat or they got the, they got the uh, diplomas on the wall behind them, you know, or whatever. And they might, they don't even need to be real. It just has the appearance of that. Right. And then the other thing is, well, Bill Gates is on 
the corporate media, you know, with all the fancy graphics and the people in the business suits. And I must be able to trust this guy and this woman. She's speaking, you know, fluent English and she's got a suit on. Well, I guess I can trust her. But they don't think or really understand that in Bill Gates's case, the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is funding the BBC. They're funding, you know, all these different outlets. And all, the other thing is a lot of people have forgotten that, for example, the station MSNBC, that that MS is Microsoft, Microsoft and NBC, because that was a merger that happened years ago, you know, when Bill Gates was still with Microsoft, right? So there's still these connections and I'm sure influence. I, I, I'm pretty positive based on what we've seen with the money and just the relationships. If Bill Gates wants to appear on any of these stations, he probably just picks up the phone and says, all right, it's time to do it again. And they bring him on and let him just kind of say whatever he wants. And I mean, I've seen it in some of the American newscasters. They just look at him like bright eyes, like, oh, my God, Bill Gates is, you know, and just this. And I think that's even part of the perception. They want the public to see, wow, look how enthralled the newscasters are by what Bill Gates is saying. He's so intelligent. He's so smart. And so it's it's just because we are, as you know, in this matrix. You know, it's partly because people just trust authority. So if the TV or, you know, the their friends tell them how great Bill Gates is. And, and I also don't think it's a coincidence that back, I think, November 2019, sometime in late fall, Netflix popped out with this, you know, decoding Bill Gates, get to know the real Bill Gates documentary. So they had all the people who are binging TV, and especially now that everybody's being told to go home, right, and Bill Gates is everywhere. Well, okay, yeah, let's watch this Bill Gates documentary. And it's a two-hour love fest of just how great Bill Gates is. And there's another investigation I found that, just one example, in that documentary, they interview uh, uh, you know, one of his associates who's like going on about how great his IQ is and how he reads te- you know, five books a week and he can retain so much information. But what they didn't tell you is that that guy's uh, institution receives millions of dollars from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So there's all these conflicts of interest that the average person doesn't have the time or maybe even the desire to kind of pull apart. And so instead they just see, oh, Bill Gates is being put in front of me. And the other message that they're hearing and this is, of course, all discussed in Event 201, is the people like myself and yours who've been doing research sometimes for, you know, 12 plus hours a day, sometimes for 24 hours on end, you know, just really diving into this and trying to put the pieces together that we are the COVID deniers. We are the conspiracy theorists that are out there that are putting people in danger, you know, and uh, they talked about this in Event 201 that they wanted to flood, they call it the flood strategy, flood the people with credible Uh, resources and accurate information from, of course, official government sources and things like that. So I think that we're witnessing the false belief in authority play out, somebody who's being propped up by the matrix, by the corporate media. And then again, of course, the attacking of anybody who's offering counter opinions. And we've seen this since the very beginning with the YouTube uh, CEO, Susan, what's her name, saying that we're going to take down videos that don't align with the World Health Organization policy. So for example, um, obviously, David had his channel deleted completely. For me, I've had some videos taken down. I had I've interviewed uh, Dr. Richard Chang, who is a, a leading expert on vitamin C in Shanghai, China, who is doing some of these amazing studies, giving people intravenous high dose vitamin C and curing them not only of COVID, whatever that is, but all kinds of illnesses. And I did just an interview with him. He's not a conspiracy theorist. He's just a doctor talking about this, you know, the the tests and the studies and the research. And because the World Health Organization says that that's a conspiracy theory and vitamin C can't help you. They took the video down. You know, so this is just kind of part of the matrix that people are stuck in. And and it is like watching 9-11 in slow motion. I mean, I really think that the only reference we have to something like this is 9-11. You know, the, the major difference, of course, is that 9-11 happened in one day. Now, the results were felt and are still felt today. But we're witnessing instead of just one morning, one afternoon, this is a daily traumatizing event happening to people all around the world over and over fear be afraid shame the people who don't listen you know and this uh, so i think there's just we're witnessing so much trauma taking place right now that it is really hard for people to to kind of step out of that and even if they are interested in questioning it seems like folks are also overwhelmed like i just i just want to tune it out there's just Mm. too much going on you know i'd rather just step away from the mainstream and from the alternative media because it's just too much i can't handle it right now so I would just kind of bury my head in the sand for a little while. But the problem is, of course, as we know, this agenda is still marching forward. Yeah, it's marching forward at a blistering pace. David was asked in um, David Ike was asked in London Real if he um, if he thought was he shocked by how by when this came out. And he said I wasn't shocked 
that it came along, I was shocked that at the speed of it. And I think we've all been shocked at the speed of this. Um, even though we've done the research for, for many, many, many years, we knew where the Agenda 2030 was heading. We knew where the project for the New American Century was heading. We knew where Quiet Weapons for Silent Wars was heading us. We knew where all of these documents were leading us. Even um, the, um, the Elders of Zion, which is contested completely because you're not allowed to speak about anything that contains anything that points to the finger at... Um, Zionism or Israel, well, quite frankly, they've got holes in all sorts, they've got fingers in all sorts of pies. The fact is, we knew this was coming, but we never saw it coming so quick. Um, there's two things there, isn't there? The speed in which it's coming reeks to me of desperation, of getting this done so quick, and also, by doing that, they're waking so many people up so quickly, there really is a race to the finishing line here, and the finishing line seems to be that vaccine. Why are they so desperate? to get that vaccine in you. That, to me, is the most terrifying thing. Not that I'm worried about getting the vaccine, because I know you, I won't have it. Um, even if it's mandated, it'll have to physically force it upon me. But why is it that that is the end goal for them? That clearly can't be about just solving something that 99.95% of people recover from anyway. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense, does it? So where is this heading? And if the vaccine is going to be out by the end of the year, what could be the effects? One of the things that I spoke, was said a few days ago, someone, I can't remember who it was, said AstraZeneca, I think it was, no, or was it Moderna? One of the two, AstraZeneca said they didn't want to be liable because they didn't want anything to happen in four years' time that might come back on them. Well, that just, that is madness, isn't it? Why would anyone take it then? It, it really is. Yeah, you're right. It's AstraZeneca. They, they're one of the latest companies to get indemnity so that they are, can you know be protected from liability. And of course, again, Bill Gates is one of the people calling for saying we need the companies to be indemnified so that, you know, they they are motivated to make this because, you know, if they can be held liable for their actions, then they won't want to make this this vaccine for the good of the people, which, as many people have pointed out, there is no other industry in the world where that is allowed. Like you wouldn't buy a car knowing that, hey, by the way, if this car doesn't work the way we claim it does, as soon as you drive off the lot, well, you can't hold us responsible at all. You know, like there's no other industry in the world where that happens. And yet it is here. And, um, you know, to the point about the speed of things, I, re I released my most recent book back in February. It's called How to Opt Out of the Technocratic State. It came out January 31st. So this is before I even was really, I mean, I heard, oh, yeah, there's a virus going on in China sort of thing. But we didn't realize what was coming yet, right? And in that book, I talked about the technocracy, the technocratic state, the rollout of 5G, the Internet of Things, all the stuff that we're witnessing now, which, of course, COVID is helping accelerate. And as you said, we've seen the documents. We knew there, where this was going ahead of time. So when I wrote that book, I sort of wrote it with the intention of, you know, maybe we've got five to 10 years. Like I felt like things are coming quick, but still it was like maybe not within the next six months, but here we are. And a book that I wrote less than, you know, a year ago is already like everything in there is already happening. It has already happened. They've already pushed this, you know, they're pushing, there's in the United States, there's at least one state where they're putting ankle monitors on people who, you know, to keep them in their houses and make sure that they don't go out. I mean, it's just insane to me the amount of things that they're getting away with. So, you know, why push the vaccine? What What is the vaccine about, right? Obviously, people have fears that in the long term, these vaccines are going to be used to, you know, put in nanotechnology or tracking implants. And, you know, we have the Apoject uh, was one company that makes a vaccine with RFID on the outside. You know, it's not yet in the vaccine or anything like that, but obviously that's still kind of worrisome to a lot of people. And they say it's just for them to track the vaccines of where they go and whatever. Um, I think that even if we imagine that this first set of vaccines in the US, they're claiming that they're going to have the first doses in 100 million doses in October, which is just two months away. It's insane to think that we're at that point. And they're saying the next 100 million doses are going to come in December, the next 100 million in January. Let's see if the, even if they stick with that timeline, we're looking at vaccines arriving in the Western world, Australia, the UK, the US, and then parts of the world in the next six months to a year. Now they're going to get all the medical workers done first, the presidents and all those people, or at least that's what they're going to claim. They're going to give them to them and people are going to be watching and waiting to see what happens. And then they're going to go next to the volunteers, the people who are just itching to go out there and get a vaccine. <clears throat> and whatever happens to those people, if there are adverse effects, as we've already seen in some of the trials, of course, 
the media is going to make sure they can cover that up. I think this is probably why they are starting to delete alternative media channels at such a rapid pace because they don't want people to be able to find information if and when people are injured and people like myself and you are saying, hey, guys, did you hear about this person that was injured? They don't want people to find that information. They don't want it to be available. But even if they can get past that point without you know, people realizing that there are injuries taking place or just even the simple fact that it's even if nobody's even if the vaccine was perfectly safe for me, my main qualm is the fact that this is setting a precedent for a government deciding what we put in our bodies. And we've kind of long passed that precedent in certain countries. People thought it was OK for the government to decide whether you can put drugs in your body. But I would argue that even those kinds of decisions set the precedent for us to get here. You let the state get involved in your health, get involved in our bodies and tell us what is right, let them think for us. And now we're at the point where we have people that we live alongside who think that it is perfectly reasonable for a government to be able to force you to take some sort of medicine or injection or whatever it may be. So, you know, the 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 road to get here was was set probably long before either of us were born mm. and we're just sort of living in the modern incarnation of it. But it is such a dangerous step for people to be willing to accept that the governments can mandate and force a vaccine. And I did a video yesterday on my channel. There's been two studies that have come out in the recent weeks where uh, one in Yale University here in the U.S. and another was like New England College of Medicine, where they're basically going into detail of how can we convince people to take this vaccine? What is the messaging we need to use? And what are the steps we need to take before it becomes mandatory? So much effort. And I also think that is because there are people waking up. As you said, things are accelerating. It seems like we're in that kind of eternal race between liberty and you know tyranny, essentially, that many of us have recognized. And for every crazy step they take, like you mentioned your friend or your associate earlier, somebody else starts saying, well, hold on, that sounds a little crazy to me. I, I didn't think this was crazy before, but now this is a little too aggressive. So I do think as things get worse, more people will question things. And we're just kind of in that that you know eternal race can we wake up enough people and not just wake people up up because i mean knowing is not enough mm. like there's a lot of people who know what's going on but they're content just to sit at home and let it happen they're not actively doing anything about it in fact there are people who i know who know what's going on but they're just acquiescing it's just a mask it's just this you know they're just kind of they think it's going to go away they think that oh once you know things get better we'll go back to normal and we need to let go of that belief like they are pushing their new normal order. They're pushing the Great Reset and all these, um, you know, these new ideologies, and these, these new terms. But all it really means is central planning. It means control. And again, whether you call it Nazi, fascist, whatever, it's top-down control. It's the government and these people at the predator class, the technocrats, deciding what goes in your body, where you can go, if you post the wrong things, if you say the wrong things, you know, where they're going to implement social credit scores. All of this is part of the technocracy. And I really feel like the vaccine's a part of it. So, you know, to answer the question, I think that the reason they're in such a rush is because they know people are questioning. The reason Bill Gates just had to go on TV last week and address the conspiracy theories is because they know people are really starting to listen. When we did the first Exposed Bill Gates Day, we had it trending on Twitter for several, I think the entire day actually, and Facebook and across you know the various social media. We had some mainstream press write about it. Of course, they called us conspiracy theorists. But the point was they couldn't completely ignore it. It got out there. The message was trending for so long that you know they they took down my account for just it just happened randomly twitter took down my account on exposed bill gates day i'm sure it was not related at all um and then bill gates has to go do interviews and address these crazy conspiracy theorists if nobody was listening to us they would not bother even addressing this so i think these people are afraid you know which is kind of hard for us to understand because it seems like they're all powerful but really they are terrified that more and more people are questioning and are waking up and seeing through their plan. And that's why they are in such a hurry. Yeah. If Bill Gates had, had any any amount of um, balls and any, any amount of courage, he'd come to someone who would ask him questions like, OK, so how comes you're connected to IBM? How comes your dad was, was part of Planned Parenthood? How comes all of these things have happened with vaccines in India? How comes that you are funding the WHO? and AstraZeneca, and Moderna. How comes, and we haven't even got to to, um, to uh, uh, QAnon yet, and we haven't even got to the whole thing with, uh, with Trump. How comes these things? No one's asking the pertinent questions because they never do. As you say, the mean, mainstream media, I didn't know MSNBC was Microsoft, but they don't ask the questions. 
the, the softball and it's controlled, isn't it? We're asking the we're asking questions. Okay, so how comes these things are true? How comes you're connected to these people? And why in the world would we trust someone like you, Bill Gates, who is connected to the Nazis, who's connected to IBM, who's connected to the Rockefellers? Why would we trust you with this? Why should we trust you? Just simple questions that you would never be able to answer because they're not conspiracy, they're, they're facts. The conspiracy is if you're connected to all of those things, surely the outcome with this vaccine isn't what you're telling it is. There's the conspiracy. The rest of it is the lead-up questions for you to defend yourself. These guys will never defend themselves. I wanted to, to bring it across now to the QAnon thing. Um, and we saw all the defunding of the World Health Organization. Now, anyone who knows anything about what's happening there is the government is still funding the World Health Organization. They've just rerouted the money through Gavi and through other subsidiaries. Gavi is a Bill Gates subsidiary. So what's going on with the Trump-Bill Gates relationship, to me, is a bit pro-wrestling and it's a bit good guy, bad guy, but really they're all heading in the same direction. I'm 100% with you on board about that for sure. And I actually wrote a, a piece about this whole Gavi who thing because it seemed like nobody was really talking about this, that in early January, you know, Trump put out the video for Gavi. And of course, for those who are unaware, Gavi is the Global Vaccine Alliance, which was founded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I think, in the year 2000. And it was funded, seeded by their money in the very beginning. And they continue to be one of the major funders of it. And then, of course, they're the number two funder, now the number one with the U.S. planning to pull out. Of course, that's not going to take place for a year now, but it makes a good threat before the election for Trump to say, yeah, I'm pulling out of the who, and we'll see how that promise dissipates if he, if they decide to keep the script with him and president. Uh, because I do think it is it's perfectly pro wrestling. That's like the perfect analogy. Because he and and you know, interestingly enough, Trump has been involved in pro wrestling here in the United States. They've had him literally go play a character, you know, on the the wrestling stage. So it's nothing new for him. But it there's there's no hope. These people who believe that Trump is going to somehow save this, I still see people holding out hope that no, no, he said this. He knows that some people don't want it. And, oh, he keeps mentioning therapeutics, and you know, it's like if Trump was against these things, why would he need to speak in code? Why wouldn't he just come out openly and say, hey, we're going to make sure that the American people or you know people around the world have a choice in this vaccine. We know that not everybody wants it, so it's not going to be mandatory. Instead, he has to talk in code and vagaries and, and instead of answering questions specifically. But as I often tell people who are really on board uh, the Trump train and think that there's, you know, after four years, they still think he's not a Zionist and he's somehow on you know the side of freedom. Stop paying attention to his tweets and look at his actions. Mm. Look at what he actually does, not what he's talking about over here. And when you do that, well, you see, again, that back in February, through USAID and through uh, the federal government, they uh, basically promised $1.8 billion to Gavi. Uh, then in June, they made an, the announcement, making it official at this uh, vaccine global vaccine um, conference that they held, yeah. yeah, the summit in the UK. And then I even found in my article, I found that there have been even two more recent donations from the Trump administration. So, you know, because so, I saw some people trying to say, well, that was in February pre-COVID and, you know, making excuses. No, but then in May, again, Trump's press secretary uh, and his uh, um, uh, diplomat to the United Nations announced that they were giving more money to Gavi and more money towards vaccines and stuff like that. And so it's it's clear that there is just, it's the same old thing. I mean, this is nothing new. They had to sort of they, being the predator class, had to play, and I don't think this is a coincidence, had to play their trump card and, you know, bring somebody who appears to be an outsider and get people convinced that somehow he beat the mainstream media and somehow he beat the political system and got in there. But anybody who's worth their salt and been around knows that nobody gets into these positions without being connected to these people. Nobody magically makes it through and without being placed there for a reason. And so I have been for the last four years convinced, and I think the evidence confirms that, uh, as you said, this is just all a charade that's going on. It's pro wrestling. It's him, you know, fighting off the media, trying to be the good guy, fighting the deep state. Meanwhile, all of their agendas have marched forward, you know, 5G, surveillance continuing, Zionism, fun, you know, biggest military budgets ever, you know, drone bomb, you know, none of these things have stopped. None of the things that many of us have been talking about during the Bush years and the Obama years. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously this affects Australia, this affects the UK, this affects other parts of the world that are partnered with the US. They follow the same agenda and they kind of, um, you know, they, they go along with it. So I just really think people need to pay attention to the facts. And I know it's scary. What I've seen, and, and maybe you've come across this too, 
is that the reason people want to believe in QAnon or believe that Trump's a secret good good guy or whatever it may be or whatever politicians they want to believe in is because they're afraid. Mm. And I've literally seen people say this, that now I hear what you're saying, but I still trust Trump because if you're right, then we're screwed. You know, I've heard people say things like that. So it's like they, they're kind of open to considering the possibility, but if they consider that possibility, then they're terrified that, holy crap, if Trump is not on our side, then nobody's coming to save us. And I'm here to tell you, nobody's coming to save us except for you. Like this is, we got to do it. Each of us need to step up because sitting aside and just waiting, you know, just kind of sitting at home and telling yourself, okay, don't worry. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to be prepared. I don't need to think about this in a logical, clear way. What am I going to do if they try to mandate vaccines? Because Trump's going to take care of it. You know, it, it's okay. I can just sit aside and let somebody else solve my problems. That's that's for children. That's that's you know that's in the past. Like we need to grow up. We need to accept that we are in some crazy circumstances. This is reality. This is what we're dealing with. And the only way we can make it through is to you know kind of steal ourselves and accept that these are the circumstances we found ourselves. And we can blame whoever. We can you know put our heads in the sand. None of that's going to solve it. We have to step up to the plate and really become the one, become the leaders that we need to be in all of our respective circles, our respective communities and countries. We need to get past this. What I think, again, is this belief in authority that somebody else is coming to save us, you know, waiting for the one to come save us from the matrix or whatever. We need to see that each of us can play that role because it is a very dangerous mindset. You know, I mentioned my book earlier and I've when I was writing that book, I tried to think in very practical terms of getting people to think about this, that in the near term future and we're kind of already there. If you want to stay free, if you want your family to stay free, alive and healthy, you are going to have to break the law. Not because you're a criminal, not because you're a bad person, but if they say you can't go anywhere without a mask, you can't go anywhere without an immunity passport, without a vaccine, then you're either going to comply because, oh, well, I got to go to work, the kids got to go to school, I got to try, you know, whatever, or you're going to do something, you're going to have to break the law. It's going to be a lot harder if we are alone as individuals, but this is why I think that the answer is community, is we need, you know, whatever that looks like, whether that means going and buying a piece of land or just moving in with friends or living near each other or just physically meeting with people that you have like-minded uh, ideas, we have to come together because we are not going to make through this alone. They are going to make it very difficult to survive, to make it through this society. And once they bring in the social credit score, those of us who choose not to be vaccinated, who choose not to wear masks, or who post crazy things on social media if we're even allowed to be there, are going to see our scores down. And as they already do in China, we're going to be restricted from traveling. We're going to be restricted from privileges. And and um, in the Chinese system, they have said that they want to make sure that antisocial people can't take a single step, that they can't even leave their homes. And I believe that that is the plan that they have for the whole world, is to use social engineering and to use technology to make people submit. And unless you have some sort of plan, some sort of you know forward thinking, then you might be faced with these difficult decisions to say, well, I've got to feed my family. You know, I need to go to the grocery store because I never planted any food in my backyard. I never got involved in a community garden or I never learned about these skills. I, you know, I, I forgot all these things. I never listened when my grandparents were trying to teach me these things. I never came together with a community. So here I am now. I knew these things were coming, but I did nothing. And now in order for my kids to survive, I have to go get this vaccine. I have to go do this because I made these choices in the past. And I don't want us to have to deal with that. So I'm just really imploring people to think about where this is headed and don't wait for it to happen. Yeah, there's so much there as well. Um, bringing back to Trump. Trump was um, Trump isn't even really his real name. It's Trump. I think it was an F on the end there. It's a German. It's a German name. He's, his dad was. I think it was his uncle who was uh, the one who found Tesla's papers. Found Tesla's papers when he died. You know, penniless in a hotel. These are the people we were talking about again. Same thing the same part of the same thing it's the nazi party whatever you want to call it eugenics this whole thing of a one world top-down government and you say there that we knew that with trump didn't he was surrounded by people from the who the technocrats in the uk we had um dominic cummins and we had a uh, matt hancock all around them the people that are big pharma around them it's big tech big pharma big business silicon valley these are the ones that are controlling governments now. And above them, and I wanted to get this in towards the end, because everything that you said, you've said it better than I can. So um, who's above these guys? To me, you're talking about the banking families. And then whenever you mention the banking families, people go, oh, that's anti-Semitic. 
it's not anti-Semitic because one thing, the Rothschilds are not Semites. So let's just get that out of the way. They're not actually Semites. Um, but it wouldn't even matter because if you're a dickhead, you're a dickhead, no matter where you come from. These guys are the ones that are funding both sides of all the major world wars. We know that. That's been written for decades. They're not even hiding it. But they're also behind the big tech, big pharma, all of these the money comes from there, it trickles from there, and probably also for the Vatican, and places we've never even heard of, and some of the families we've never heard of. But one of the ones we have heard of is the is the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the DuPonts. These People don't realise that your government are even way down the list. And now, they're below the tech, big tech companies. So, when people talk about Trump coming to save them, or Boris Johnson... Why are we listening to these people and how do we get through to the people, the everyday person that prime ministers and presidents do not hold any weight at all and probably haven't done for probably since JFK and probably never in the UK. And we need to get past that. We're still stuck at voting in this country. It's we've got such a long way to go to people realise that the charade that they're, that they're investing all of their energy in whilst they're being abused from the top down while this has all been put in place. How do we get people to even understand that how this system works and that how it's completely in a different order from what they think it is? Well, you know, it's it's probably the biggest task that we will ever undertake in our lives, right? And I think that there's no easy answers, of course, but what you're doing right now is a part of that. You know, having these conversations, I try to produce documentaries and write books and articles and this you know like I said this weekend for exposed Bill Gates we're going to go to the streets and talk to people I've tried every avenue I can think of over the last 10 years you know talking to friends talking to family making memes writing articles whatever it means dropping banners doing different things like that and I will say that even though it's a slow trickle right it, it seems like it's a lot easier to convince people and make them feel blind than it is to awaken them from that matrix it takes a lot more effort and, and a lot of us have seen that but the seeds that we plant, they do come to fruition. Maybe not every single one and maybe not even in the time we we need them to. Uh, but I have definitely seen, and perhaps you've come across this as well, where people have come back to me, people who I never even knew were paying attention to my work because they're not the kind of people who want to interact on social media. They're kind of in the back just watching the show, right? And maybe they'll send me a private message or somehow I'll run into them and say, you know, I finally started looking into that stuff you've been talking about. And you know, and they'll just share with me how it's set them on this new journey. And I think that's what it takes is that we want to, you know, wake people up and what, you know, just wake up the whole world once at, once at a time. But I don't really know if it operate if it works that way. You know, it, it's a difficult process. I tend to uh, compare it to the grieving process that we have to go through as we have to grieve the fact that we've been lied to about nearly everything that we've ever learned in our lives through the state education systems, through the media through friends and family who just repeat the things that they were told and don't really think for themselves. As we know, many of us are the black sheep in our family. It's not like some of us aren't really blessed enough to come from families who taught us these things. Um, we had to discover them on their own. So we already realized, okay, if I'm the minority in my family and there's maybe only one of us scattered through different families throughout the world, like yeah. we're definitely the minority. Yeah. But if we can wake up, if we can have those experiences, for me, it was a book it was a documentary. It was a conversation all within one week, and my life was completely changed. And since then, it, I've just been planting seeds, and you're obviously planting seeds. So there's not a quick fix. I, I do think that true change towards towards not only internal freedom and physical freedom, but eventually we have to rid ourselves of these people. I mean, I don't know what that looks like because I'm I'm kind of – of the mind that I'm exiting this technocracy as much as possible. I'm trying to unplug from their systems. I think that's the only real way forward. I'm working on getting some land down in Mexico with some like-minded people, you know, building permaculture gardens and just really connecting to the earth. And that is still my goal. However, I have come to terms with the fact that even when I'm there, once we've built this little paradise that we want to have, these people are still going to be out there. My friends and family are still going to be living under their, their tyranny, even if they don't see it, right? So at some point, we will have to deal with this predator class. And you mentioned uh, some of the banking families. I think you're 100% right. that That's what it really comes back to. I think that's why the Rockefeller and Gates connection is important um, because he's a, you know part of the same class as Trump is and as everybody else that comes into those positions of power. 
And there are also, you know, there's uh, researchers like Daniel Eschelin who points to like the Venetian black nobility and some of these old landholders in Europe, names that we probably don't even know because they're the ones who really stay in the shadows, just like the Rothschilds like to stay in the shadows. They're probably one of the most well-known of the unknown names that, you know, we know out there. But even them, you know, we don't see the Rockefellers on the the stage, on the, the kind of world stage. They prefer to be in the back, which is where these people like to stay. So we are probably dealing with generational I mean, we are definitely dealing with generational wealth, generational power. It's the illusion that the kings and queens and these sort of uh, symbols ever disappeared. They never went away. The power is still there. They eventually decided, it appears, that they could use governments as a tool to give the people the illusion that they have some semblance of freedom. And as you said, people who are stuck on voting and the idea that representative democracy is really like the, the ultimate step towards freedom – but as we've seen, it's very easy to manipulate and to control the the, the um, front people of the show, you know. So they have us yelling and fighting over the front people, Trump or this guy or, you know, Hancock or this one, and just arguing over those figureheads while they sit back and, and never have to change, you know. The families just keep passing it down generation to generation. And so they have absolutely tried to weaponize the anti-Semitic term as well because they want people to – I don't think that it's – I'll just say this. I don't think it's the Jews that are doing this. I think that some of these people are Jewish. I think it's a bit bigger than that. I think that's another trap that some people fall into. But it is absolutely BS when they try to say because you call out the bankers or you talk about the Rothschilds that it's anti-Semitic. You know, it's just a way to shut down conversation, and we've seen Israel doing that, um, trying to shut down anybody who is – talking about Zionism. So there absolutely is a Zionist contingent and element behind what we're witnessing here. And But I think Nazism is probably more correct if we're going to give it a term because the Nazis predate Israel, what happened at the end of World War II, the creation of Israel, the state of Israel, and what happened with those scientists in the philosophy. They came to America, they went to the UK, they went into Israel, and they've continued to control and manipulate global policy. Anybody who speaks out against this is labeled, as you said, anti-Semitic, crazy conspiracy theorists. So we're dealing with old power, old money. And it is so difficult for people to imagine that this is real. And I, I believe partly because they put things in front of us. They put it in the movies. They put it in the you know the fantasy books and the tv and so when somebody hears these kinds of things we talk about it just sounds like fiction that they've been you know that sounds you know like you said earlier about james bond villain or something right but that's actually kind of accurate you know bill gates is sort of the archetype of the james bond villain of the dr evil sort of thing but people only see that through pop culture through the media and so i think it, it gets fixated into their minds as that's fake that's fiction that sounds like a fantasy what are you talking about there's no people manipulating things and also sort of last point here that I find that one of the attacks that the mainstream takes on conspiracy theorists is that we just are trying to make sense of a, of a chaotic and, you know, uh, just crazy world. And, and we want order in our minds. So we just try to believe in conspiracies to make sense of the world. When in fact, it seems the exact opposite. It seems like the people who deny conspiracy research, they have cognitive dissonance and they're unwilling to let go of their version of reality, which is basically like, yeah, there's some corruption, there's some bad people, but generally governments have their best, you know, our best intentions at heart. You know, the people at the top really care about us. Media report the truth, all these sort of things. Like they think that, you know, the, the corruption is just a bad apple every now and then. They don't understand that this thing is, is rotten to the core and it was built to be this way. And that the people who are running it are hiding behind the scenes and using the politicians, using the media pundits, using the celebrities, all of them as puppets to push their agenda. I mean, that's all it comes down to. And Bill Gates, for the moment, is just the current spokesperson that's being paraded around everywhere. Yeah, what you just described there of everything being switched around is, is classic Satanism. It's it's what they did with the um, the swastika and they turned it around from a peace sign. They invert everything and, and they will do invert everything. You mentioned there putting stuff out um, and you've been using obviously podcasts, books, uh, writing for uh, The Last American Vagabond. And I know you've got a film coming up, The Pyramid of Power. Do you want to talk us through that film? Obviously, it, like, that connects right in through what we were just talking about and how this hierarchy works. Yeah, it's absolutely like this conversation is pretty much in line with the Pyramid of Power. So um, I've produced uh, about 
seven or eight documentaries now and looking at different elements of our world. So we've done one on 5G. I did one looking at uh, human trafficking and uh, the finders cult and you know how that relates. I did one on Jeffrey Epstein a couple years ago. I've done one on the surveillance. So different pieces of the puzzle, right? And what I call the pyramid of power. And we've kind of gone over a lot of different elements of that, you know, the education system, the corporate media, uh, you know, big pharma. Then you get into like the oil companies and energy companies and how they are now taking over the food supply. You know, there's all these different pieces, the bankers, what is government itself, what's a corporation. And I do believe, again, the belief in authority allows these things to continue on. And so I've never myself done a big kind of big picture documentary looking at all of this. Uh, of course, other people have done this. I mean, I mentioned one of the documentaries that woke me up. It actually was an Alex Jones documentary. I don't follow him much anymore. But his documentary, Endgame, when I first was coming across this, was very much like, you know, opening my eyes up to a lot of things. And I want to take something along those lines, and I want to do it in the way that I tend to do my work, which is just fact-based, credible, uh, sourced, everything in the transcript listed, because Time and again, I've seen documentaries that take on, for my taste, too much of a conspiracy um, angle, and they're easily dismissed by people in the mainstream. And I love the people who follow our work, but I'm not necessarily trying to reach them anymore. They already know what's going on. You know, whenever I'm talking specifically to the truthers and the people who are going on, my goal is more to say, hey, guys, you know what's happening? What are you going to do about it? Let's take action. But when I'm speaking to a more general audience, who might be totally new to this information, I want to provide them with the hard facts, with the documentation, with the evidence, and as little speculation as possible so that there's no room for them to be like, okay, but I see what you're saying here, but that sounds fake or whatever. I want to make sure that it's as well-documented, and that's the style that I've taken with all of my documentaries, and I've had great success with you know getting several hundred thousand views on each of them in the last couple of years and reaching people in that way. So I know that there's a uh, uh, an appetite for this. People do enjoy a, a very well thought out and well produced documentary and so we're planning uh, it's probably going to be I, I i was thinking 10 parts but honestly in the last couple of days i've thought of some new parts of this thing like you mentioned uh, the vatican for example and i hadn't even wrote in my outline to talk about religion but obviously religion is a big part of the control grid and part of the control system but we're basically going to go through each piece of these pyramid as we come through like so uh, it, the plan is to do a, about 20 to 25 minutes of each episode. It's going to be released maybe once a week or once every two weeks once it's done. And it'll just like part one, the education system, part two, corporate media, you know, and put that out. And then once it's done, you know, people can watch it all as one film if they want. It'll end up being two to three hours or so. But yeah, I want it to be where I can go over some of the, the basics of the things like we've touched on today. But also the key element that I think will make this documentary different from others who've tried to do this is the focus on solutions. I'm not interested in retreading and providing, yeah, okay, Derek, we know the banking system's corrupt. Yeah, we know the Rockefellers, but what can I do about it? You know, that's the question a lot of people came away from. That's what I think was always missing from the Alex Jones documentaries and from some other people is, you know, you get the creepy music and you get the information and you get the facts, but then you kind of left with this, holy mm -hmm. crap, there's nothing I can do. Like, what am I mean, it's everything's screwed. And I don't want people to leave my work feeling that way. I want people to come away feeling like, educated and formed and hopefully empowered and feeling like, okay, well, now I know that this is the truth about the education system. Here's three or four ideas on what I can do to unplug from that system. Now I know that they're controlling and manipulating the economy through central banking and fractional reserve banking and through, you know, the Wall Street bankers and all this. Well, let me go pull my money out of those banks. Let me do, you know, just give people practical, tangible steps that they can do in each of these areas as we make our way to the top of the pyramid. And then the very last chapter, we'll talk about you know, who I believe the predator class is, at least some of the pieces of the puzzle. I, 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 I think that's an important question, clearly, because people are like, well, if there's a pyramid, who's at the top, right? Mm -hmm. But I also think it can be a trap to spend our time trying to, you know, argue over, well, is it the Jews? Is it the reptilians? Is it this? Is it this? It's like, I think we can get close to the truth. But as you mentioned earlier, there's lots of the truth that we don't know. Like there's names that we don't know. There's families that we don't know. And we need to be comfortable and willing to admit that we might not know, but we can point out these other pieces of the puzzle. And if we start removing ourselves from the education system, from the banking system, from the big pharma, from all these things, the pyramid will start to crumble and the people at the top will be revealed. We will get to them if we can stop supporting this thing to happen. Because the truth is underneath that pyramid is all of us holding it up yeah. on our backs. You know, we in many ways, support and endorse our own slavery. 
because we don't think there's another way or because we're afraid or because nobody's even told us you can do something different. You know, we're taught this one way is the way to happiness and that's how we should all live, go to work, go to school, you know, these sort of things. And there's nothing wrong with those things if they're fulfilling to you. But I know that there are many people who, much like in the matrix, they feel something deep inside themselves that tells them that there's something wrong in the world and that maybe that they are meant to do more than to just be a slave for the rest of their lives. But the first step is we need people to realize that slavery still exists. It's slavery of the mind. It's slavery of the body. It's slavery of the spirit. And that there are people who are actively pushing the system. And we need to find ways to educate people about that, or at least that's my goal. Educate them about it and power them to the solutions. And uh, yeah, that's really what I'm hoping to do with this documentary. So it's going to be probably my biggest undertaking ever, but I think it'll be well worth it once it's complete. And if everything goes well, it'll be out by the fall of the winter this year, which I think with everything going on, I'm trying to get it out ASAP. Is it going to be, where will, it be, where will people be able to find it? Um, it'll be for sure on my website, theconsciousresistance.com. I would say it'll be on my YouTube channel, but by the time this is done, who knows if I'll still be on YouTube. Mm. But either way, all of my work, I should say, is backed up on, I'm on Library, I'm on BitChute, I'm on Minds.com, you know, I'm on all the alternative social media platforms, but absolutely everything is always posted on my website, theconsciousresistance.com. And there's actually a trailer for those who want to go see it on the front page of the website right now. Fantastic. And we'd love to have some of your stuff on Iconic as well, so we can chat about that in the future. Um... So we're talking about solutions there. David Icke's new book's going to be called The Answer. Everybody, we're in, we're in the the in the eye of the storm at the moment. We need answers. People are going to be looking for answers. What sort of hope answers could you give to someone right now listening to this, thinking, okay, I understand some of this stuff. I know Bill Gates is a bad guy. They're, they're trying to mandate the vaccine. I don't understand all this other stuff. I've got time to look into that, but I'm afraid. What can I do? For me, personally, it's about sovereignty. It's about knowing where to say no, personal boundaries. What is your take on what you can do right now to make yourself, one, feel safer and plan for the future um, to fend off some of what we know is coming our way? Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, knowing your boundaries, self-sovereignty is important. I also, um, you know, the reason my website and my work is called The Conscious Resistance is because I've come to the realization in the last decade that the struggle for a more free, ethical, just, you know, beautiful world that we're all fighting for, that it does not only come from the physical, fighting the physical institutions of power and these people and everything that we've just talked about, but there is absolutely a spiritual component as well. So if we're all screwed up inside, if we're still got, dealing with our own trauma from the world we live in, from our childhoods, etc., then I believe that it may take a generation or two, but more than likely we will end up becoming the things that we have fought, that we are fighting. You know, so I do think that find that space to step away from the social media feeds, step away from the 24-hour news cycle, even with everything going on right now. Take a break from it. Tune in with yourself. You know, if you're a meditator, make more time to meditate. If you're in, you know, if you're a prayer, make time to to pray to your creator and to really connect and to remember. What are you fighting for? What do you value in this world? What do you care about? Because if we lose touch with that, then things can feel hopeless and we forget what we're fighting for. I'm fighting for my nieces and nephews. I'm fighting for my future children. I'm fighting for the beautiful planet that we have and for the ability to enjoy it. You know, last week I got to take a couple day vacation with my with my partner and just sitting out in the hill country of Texas, a breeze blowing by, watching some deer playing. And it was just this clear, perfect moment of remembering like, yes, this is what I care about. This is why I'm doing the things I do. So remember why, why, what you're fighting for, first of all, because you, you got to know the motivation that you have and what you're willing to do for that. So remember why you're fighting and then think, what would I be willing to do to protect my family, to protect those nieces and nephews, to protect my loved ones, or just to protect myself? And I think it's also important, sit down with a notebook, and, and this sounds sometimes kind of quaint for people with our digital world, but write down what is your line in the sand? You know, maybe it's already been crossed. Maybe you've allowed it to be crossed already, but think about it in practical terms, like I said earlier. What are you going to do when your city, town, state, country mandates vaccines or mandates, uh, you know, I, I've been seeing things going on in Australia. They're doing house checks now, going door to door to people and things like that. Are these things you're willing to accept? And if they are not, what are you willing to do to stop them from happening? The other thing I would suggest is we need community. Whatever that looks like to you, again, whether that means physically you know, living with people on a piece of land or just you've got some friends in the neighborhood that you can connect with, start connecting. 
uh, together. And I call this idea Freedom Cells. The website that we have is freedomcells, C-E-L-L-S dot org. And I would just greatly appreciate anybody who cares about these topics and who's concerned about solutions. I think this is one of the best solutions we have right now. It is essentially a social network that we built, but it's not meant to just be another place to chat and post pictures and things of that sort. The main feature is that we have two maps on there. You can go on there and you can create a profile. What are your interests? What are your skills? What are your goals? And then you can add yourself to the map. You can search to find people within 10, 20, 500 miles of you. And so people are connecting in the real world. They're, they're, they're connecting in the digital world and then they're connecting in the real world. So we're calling for people to create cells, what we call cells, uh, like the ideas being like all the cells that we have in our body. Each cell is an important individual and unique on its own, but it's also part of a larger organism that is, you know, your body and is, is functioning. So we want each of these cells to be, for example, we've got a Houston cell. We've got a lot of people active in Australia and in India. I mean, it's becoming a global phenomenon, especially since COVID-19 began. We now have over 3,500 members from around the world, some more active than others. But the goal is put yourself on there, add yourself to the map, search to find people around you, search to see if there's already a cell or a group near you and start meeting if you, you know people are already using telegram and other platforms to have weekly meetings or zoom to have you know digital calls but then some people are starting to meet physically in person and they're having these conversations that we're having here they're saying okay guys um if the grocery stores announced today you can't come in anymore unless you have proof of vaccine how long would you survive what how much food do you have in your fridge how much food do you have in your pantry uh, you know, and think about it. I guess I'd survive three days maybe, you know, right? Okay, well, that's something we need to work on. Let each of us as a group of our group, ideally seven to eight people, let's all start making sure that we have two weeks of backup food or whatever it may be, right? You start setting goals and intentions for each other. And this is supposed to be kind of like your inner tribe, your core group of people that you can depend on. You teach each other skills. You teach each other, uh, you know, resources, just anything that can be helpful and valuable. Some people are using it, you know, people with parents, with kids are coming together as groups of parents and organizing in that way. But I think this is going to be key and you can call it freedom cells, hubs, hive circles, whatever. It doesn't matter. Just get organized, get local, connect to people because for the beauty of the internet and us connecting across the world, it's wonderful. But if we are surrounded by people who are indoctrinated, if your next door neighbors and my next door neighbors are indoctrinated and they think that we're the problem, then we're going to be in some trouble. So we need to connect as locally as possible on in this decentralized way. And, and the goal is that we build these local groups, but also the local groups could start to connect to, on a regional level and then maybe on a, you know, a state level or a province level and then maybe on a national, international level and so that we could start to create something that is parallel to this system that they've built. Not so that we can replace it and become the new ones in charge, but so that we can start to create freedom and independence from these systems. And I believe that that's the only way we're going to be able to survive the technocracy, which is clearly here. That is amazing. I've just looked at that and I can't believe you've actually managed to do that. That is incredible. And I'm going to have a look into that. I'll sign up to that myself. So guys, go over to um, freedomcells.org. Yep, is it .org? And join up to that. That is an incredible idea. And to see someone actually not just talk about that and get that up and running, that is amazing. Um, it's a credit to you and credit to the team behind that. You should be very proud of yourself. I'll make sure I promote that on davidlight.com and we get the word out about that because you, that brother. is exactly what we need. I think that is amazing. Um, Derek, thank you for your time. Where can people find your work, connect with you? And just a tiny little bit about Expose um, Bill Gates Day 2. It's this Saturday. How can people get involved? What would you like them to do? Yeah, thank you, brother, for your time and for sharing this and for all the work you do. Um, anybody who wants to find me, my main website is theconsciousresistance.com, and you can see all my socials are listed there. I am on YouTube and Facebook, but we're trying not to promote them as much as the alternatives at the moment, so uh, mainly you know, focus on those. Uh, and if you want information about Bill Gates, the Bill, Exposed Bill Gates, second day of action, it's theconsciousresistance.com slash Bill Gates, and it just there's a video there, a little trailer that you can share that explains the why behind what we're doing. And then at the bottom, there's four different tips. We have uh, links to flyers you can download and print out yourself and modify and use. We're just asking people, host documentary screenings, go to the park and talk to people, pass out flyers, you know, use the hashtag expose Bill Gates, expose Melinda Gates, uh, share it everywhere. You know, we're focused on this Saturday, but we're also now, we're initiating beginning with this Saturday, August 8th, every second Saturday of every month until the end of the new normal, we're going to be doing this. So if you want to participate, you know, every day, that's fine, of course, but just know that there's going to be focused efforts every second Saturday of every month 
until we can get past this. And, and this is such a crucial moment right now. I really do believe that if we can push and get more people questioning these things, we can stem the tide of this push for vaccines that, that we know are, are dangerous and potentially change the course of humanity. So please just take action however you can. That is incredible what you've managed to do. Um, it's been an honor to, to chat to you, speak to you. Really glad we connected. Anything I can do to help this end through davidlight.com or Iconic, please let me know. I'll do anything I can to, to help you in the message. This is incredibly important, guys. It's Iconic.com. You've been listening to Glitch in the Code. I'm here with Derek Rose of The Conscious Resistance. Please join in on Saturday, Expose Bill, Bill Gates, day two, and then every other second Saturday of the month from there on and we really do need to stem this tide we'll need to hold back this flood because last time this happened and last time these psychopaths they tried to wipe out humanity and as grand as that sound this is what their aim is these are psychopaths so as crazy and mad as that sounds to you guys this is what they believe and they are willing to go to the ends of the earth to make this happen even if we think this is lunacy and diabolical and stupid these guys don't, and they have a lot of money to make this happen, or try to make this happen, and to hurt a lot of people. So, Derek, you're doing amazing work. Thank you for your time. Please go over and check his work out, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Welcome to Glitch in the Code.